Town Hall Academy, episode 86. You know, I, I, I did the webcast this morning. Bam, at least I got one thing on my list done. <laughs> so throughout the day, I, I have this feeling of, okay, where am I? What am I doing? I just got off track for an hour. Where is it? I can look at it. It just helps refocus me using an old-fashioned notepad because it can't distract me. That's what I love. And so for me, when I've got issues of, you know, things I need to get done, it door shut, don't call me. I know you can see me, but you, I'm not here. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hello, nice to have your presence on this Town Hall Academy Summit as we talk productivity improvements. Carm Capriato here. Welcome to the only weekly forum for aftermarket professionals that tackles a trending topic each week. You are listening to episode 86. That's 86 weeks. And on the panel is Dennis McCarran, Justin Glasgow, and Darren McClay. And thanking Jasper Engines and Transmissions for the support of the Academy. You know, when faced with options for your customer's engine or transmission failure, rest assured that a remanufactured drivetrain product from Jasper Engines and Transmissions will give your customer's vehicle a new lease on life. Hey, I want you to know that I put you front and center. I get plenty of emails and social media messages about topics you want covered. I also want to be sure that you can listen just about anywhere, which is why I have my own smart device app and that I've made sure that the podcast reaches over 12 different podcast subscription services. It is easy to listen on desktop and just as easy to listen while you are mobile. Get to remarkableresults.biz slash listen and discover. Hey, don't forget that my guests' bios, links to their previous episodes, and their key talking points are found at remarkableresults.biz slash a086. We're talking today about productivity. With me is Dennis McCarran, Executive Director, Dealer Strategic Planning, Justin Glasgow, Performance Tire and Wheel, Topeka, Kansas, and Darren McClay from McClay's Tire and Automotive, Santa Rosa, California. Another powerful summit as we talk your to-do list, delegating, emails, texts, finishing, priorities, and making time to get things done, and a whole lot more. As with every academy, so many great insights to help you work your own perpetual improvement strategy. Now enjoy, stop being busy, and improve your productivity. Good to have you guys here. Thanks for, for wanting to come in and talk about one of the problems, one of the biggest problems. I suffer from this. And I went to the doctor one day and I says, listen, I need some kind of antibiotic. I'm not getting anything done. <laughs> and he said, go read a book. I want to start with you, Dennis. One of the things that we know a lot about is you've got to learn to prioritize. Correct. Give us some insight. In prioritizing, you have to figure out uh, what are you going to do that has the most bang for your buck? You know, there, there's uh, 12 to 15 working hours a day, depending on, on your location and how committed you are. Anything beyond that is you're, you're just not organized and you don't know how to prioritize things. So you could go to work and you could paint a wall for six hours, but how, how is that going to, going to benefit your bottom line, benefit your employees, benefit your customers uh, it, when there are other things that are more important, like I don't, fixing a broken door, writing customers up in the morning or ordering parts or you know, getting your uh, financials straightened out or analyzing your business. So the ability to, to analyze and prioritize what's most important for the business is a critical foundation to to avoid being busy for busy's sake. We sometimes, guys, and, and let me throw this up to everyone, sometimes we do busy tasks because we feel like we're accomplishing something and we're really not. Yep. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Give me an example. I like the painting the wall and fixing the door <laughs> yeah. and hanging the banners and run around and being the IT guy when you already have an IT guy. And at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, I got stuff done. But what did I really get done? It's like, it's like thumbs, you know, it's like, yeah. wow, yeah, this, I, thing. I, this is cool. Man, <laughs> honey, I worked hard today. Yeah. Look at the dirt on my hands. I did it. It's, it's difficult 
a lot of us uh, grew up doing the work. We were a salesperson or we were a technician. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, there's an immediate sense of gratification when you finish a job. When you get into management and ownership, there's no finish line. So coming from a world of, of, as a technician, you see your finished work. As a salesperson, you have a smiling customer in front of you. There's a gratification that disappears. And it makes it very easy psychologically to go back to doing that work where we can find happiness that we used to have that in ownership and management doesn't exist. So psychologically, it's easy to put off the tough management stuff and go back to the stuff we used to do because it makes us feel good. I'm so glad we're, we're, we're starting out so transparent and open in, in this academy. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled because we're all, every one of us who are listening, everyone on the panel are guilty uh, unless, you know, some super cray computer, which I'm not interviewing, that has and knows how to do priority. So, guys, if, if, if I had my and, – and um, I think, Dennis, um, it's, it's not uh, – Darren, do you live from an old-fashioned notepad? I mean, do you literally say, I've got to – do you put A's and B's and stars and circles? I mean, what is it that makes you more productive? Uh, I've found sometimes – toning back some of the technology. In fact, I have it with me. So this is what I use. This is my to-do list. It <laughs> is high tech. Everybody makes fun of me. I also carry a checking account ledger too. So this gives you the idea why I'm this way. Um, the problem I found is you know, we have these smartphones and they're so sophisticated and advanced, but it, like most shop owners, I, I think you have the same thing that I have. This thing is ringing all day long. I hit it. I'm going to go put something on my to-do list and it rings. Or I see down here, oh, I have some text messages coming in from the tire service manager or from a friend who wants a price on tires or there's a new email. And guess what? I can't help but click on those. So I get lost and I forget. By the time I'm done, I answer that phone call. I I answer that text message. And then I forget that I was trying to add something to my to-do list or check my to-do list. And then I kind of stand there and I look for the next squirrel that's running by and I go chasing after it. <laughs> you know, so so this this notepad, it doesn't ring, it doesn't have notifications. I can write it down and then when it's done, I actually have, you know, like Dennis said, these are true prioritized items that I need to get done. And then when they're done, I get to put a slash through it and that feeling of, ah, oh, I did it. You know, I, I I did the webcast this morning. Bam, at least I got one thing on my list done. <laughs> so throughout the day, I, I have this feeling of, okay. Where am I? What am I doing? I just got off track for an hour. Where is it? I can look at it. It just helps refocus me using an old-fashioned notepad because it can't distract me. All right, I want to learn from you. So on this list, are <laughs> you in a zone where I'm not going to put more than 10 of those for today because I know I'm crazy. I may <laughs> It may look good, but I know that I can't get it all I, done. I, I try to, so carry it over a couple from yesterday. I have about six on here. It, once you get down towards the bottom, it's there's too much. You're, you're too all over the place. And at the end of the day, you realize you don't do any. I try to stick to five to six. Where do you keep the master list? Uh, well, it's it's this one. Yeah, if it gets lost, I need to start over. But there's no really big list and you take all of those other ones and bring them up to your, hey, I got to do today list? No, this is pretty much it. It'll carry over. All right. So I, okay. I try to keep five to six. You know, there's... There's ones that may take a week and there's ones that may be daily and it just kind of helps center me. But that's a good idea. Maybe there should be a master list somewhere to grab from. It's a good idea. I have one and I'm not necessarily sure it's a good thing yeah. because I just looked at it the other day and, and, I, and I looked at it and says, well, those are all still there. It's been a week. <laughs> and you know why? Burning issues. You know, the, the, I, I, you know, you, you, it's it's a great thing to say that you know about email and the and the, and the uh, we jump to our phone, it buzzes, it rings, we do something. Oh, someone wants me. I want to be known as the follow up, follow through guy. Am I nuts? Maybe I am. Maybe I shouldn't be. You know, but but you send an email to someone four days ago, and they they practice good email stuff and they they don't look at it but once a day and then they assess the priority of it and so someone finally gets back to you two or three days later and now you are so time crunched and time sensitive that you need to react to it right away so it it almost seems like if it's a customer darren justin you want to jump on it right away how could you ignore something from you're in the customer service world right you know i i can echo darren completely uh 
Like, you know, we are inundated now with text message, email, Facebook Messenger, uh, obviously the phone, the guy that walks through the door. And the, the challenge is, is to put that in a funnel and focus it on one spot. And I can echo Darren and, and say, man, I, I feel his pain completely. And the, the struggle is today is that we are so reachable by all of our customers. I mean, and then, uh, you know, based on how you set up your website, you know, you may get uh, price questions on your website, basically how that's set up. And so my struggle is to, uh, to, to funnel those down and make sure they do happen. And, you know, uh, Dennis is very good about teaching delegate, delegate, delegate. And I too have a list just like Darren. And I love it when my uh, associates look over my shoulder and they're like, uh, that's my name. What, what's going on there? I was like, yep, that is. <laughs> You're next. <laughs> is that, is that, is that a delegation column? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know it necessarily. I have columns, but you know, I'll, I'm similar to Darren. Uh, I like to get into work early, and uh, it never fails that I have these ideas of stuff that I has to be done as I'm sitting in bed at five thirty in the morning, and I try and jot them down. Then I get to work, and I just kind of mind dump it all on a piece of paper. And uh, hopefully, that's before the phone starts ringing. Hopefully, that's before the you know first cars are being dropped off. But I just mind dump it all out, and I'll put names on it. Uh, is it tried and true? By no means. I mean, it's. I'm. I feel Darren's pain at uh, at some points during the day. That thing just uh, it gets left there and doesn't get any attention. But uh, yeah, that's the struggle. I want to put it, sort of put a uh, cerebral question out there to, to everybody listening. Who decided email was the way to get somebody's attention right away? You know, we, when I was a kid, when somebody knocked on the front door or rang the doorbell, you know, we kind of all rushed over to see who it was because it was exciting and it was, well, the dog did didn't too. know. And the dog did too. Uh, now, if somebody knocks on my door unexpectedly, I, I make sure the lights are off and I, I tell, shh, don't move. <laughs> like, I don't, who's coming to my door unannounced, right? Like, I, I, I'm not going to the door. Email, I, I think we're still learning how the medium of email works. It, I, don't, I don't believe, I don't know, but I don't believe it was ever intended to be an instantaneous way to get a hold of somebody. I think it was sort of an asynchronous conversation. Um, text messaging, I think, is a little more direct and immediate. Uh, and, and certainly calling somebody up on the phone now with uh, caller ID and everything else, I think that is starting to come back to that way again. But I, I think we need to evolve through the different technological ways of communicating. I think we, I think we change the way we, we communicate outwardly, but we didn't modify the way we receive information. And I think email is one of those things that just got caught up because I'm at the point, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm in a meeting all week, by the end of the meeting, I got about 3,000 emails sitting in my inbox and I'm going to sort it by name. And if you're not an immediate client of mine or you're not somebody I was expecting an email from, I hit, you know, the first one, scroll down, hit shift, hit the bottom one and delete it. If it was critical, the person knows there's other ways to get a hold of me or, or they could resend. Uh, it's, it's the only way I can manage that. Oh my God. I hope you don't do shift delete for me. Cause that's permanent delete. I do. God. <laughs> no. It, God. The challenge though, Dennis, is that we know when a customer is reaching out to us that more than likely they're wanting to make a decision, tire decision, service decision within the next 72 hours. Mm -hmm. So the challenge is you have to jump on that. Like, you know, it's efficient upon if you aren't yanking on that pole, you may not get the fish. And so that is the struggle. That's what I mean. That inside of those emails, the ones that need immediate attention, how many of those do you end up reading or pondering or considering that really we could, we could train our brain and automate as we're reading this to dump it, delegate it, or file it or do whatever you need to do. But what happens is we, we get into a rut where we start reading every email. And then the next thing you know, an hour goes by and all you've done is read email. 
Hey, I'm with Brian Weeks from ATC Auto Center. Hey, are your customers investing in Jasper? Absolutely. Um, and I think that uh, the biggest thing is, is in the world of automotive nowadays, uh, let's don't talk about parts and labor so much. You know, when you when you look at the mechanical side of it and look at the parts and labor side, you know, you're, you're selling cu- the customer a transmission, but what you're really doing is selling peace of mind. So it's not hard convincing customers to invest in their vehicle. Uh, we don't feel like it is. Uh, we, we haven't really had an issue with that. You know, it's, it's not for everybody. And, you know, in certain situations, you may have uh, somebody that doesn't necessarily see that value, but it's our responsibility to show the value that Jasper has. It's not about your transmission is going to shift through all five gears now. It's more about you can take the kids to soccer this evening without having a problem. You'll be able to make it to work tomorrow without a problem. You can go on that vacation and not have a worry. That's what it's more about. And Jasper provides that so that we can offer that to the customer. Hey, Brian, thanks for your time. Carm, thank you. Hey, guys, are we information junkies? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that why we read some of the emails that we shouldn't read? Because we want to learn the next hottest, bestest thing? The next game changer? Yeah, I want to be on. I Yeah. Who, who wants to go on social media and not know what the hell they're talking about? Mm-hmm. Right. I, uh, I break my time up now, and, and it's specific to the way my job functions. But when I hit a cycle, I have three cycles in the year that are just jam-packed. I have to shut all that stuff down. Uh, I have to shut Facebook down for work, LinkedIn for work, Instagram. Not that I don't do a lot of Instagramming, but... Um, reading emails from publishers, from magazines. For, I just have to, it has to go out of the way because I have to focus on what's important to my company. And, and when we get busy, uh, I have to focus even harder on what's important, which is being in the moment with my clients, which is our long days. You know, I do want to talk about focusing here in, in a bit. I, I want to give a, a high five to Scott Brown, who's on with us. He says, uh, most don't follow best practices when using email. For business, it can be an effective tool, use filters, etc. And, and in order to get a man uh, a handle on my inbox, I was starting to set up a lot of rules and move some of the things that I wanted to stay in touch with, but move them out so that it was literally in another folder somewhere. And and again, yeah. I think the word clutter is 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 what we're really talking about. How do we how do we move some of the clutter, even texts and or emails, and even the clutter from spam calls today we're getting from our telephone? It is it is. I think I just read something yesterday that said within a couple of years, fifty percent of all the calls are going to come to cell phones are going to be spam calls. Hmm. I mean, how are we dealing with this? And I, you know, we've, we've got to get a handle because time wasters will not make you an effective leader of your business. And, and that's the commitment of a CEO. I know Verizon, I just signed up for it. They, they gave me a months free of caller identification, not from my address book. So all calls coming in were identified in some way. And if it would, if they had any kind of complaints, it would be likely spam would come up. I, I signed up. I think it's five bucks a month. That That's a no-brainer for me. It, it is a no-brainer, but God, they figured out how to make money with that, huh? Mm. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I don't give out my cell phone to anyone. I, if, if, I literally give the store's phone number to anyone that asks for a phone number. They'll get the store. I, it, my best practice is not to give away that cell phone. So, Justin, we've covered an awful lot of interesting subjects here in the first, oh, God, 20 minutes. Wow, 20 minutes. Uh, what, what, what are you doing to become a truly effective, high-prioritizing kind of guy as a leader of your business? Obviously, we have our, our pressing issues, the things that we have to get done. And, you know, like, uh, like Darren and other folks, you know, uh, and like Dennis preaches uh, when we leave a 20s group meeting, uh, these are the priorities and these are the things that have to get done. So, um, you know, my, my, my staff know that when I'm on my office and that door shut, you're not bothering me. You literally have to make it a, a, a statement that I'm not available. Uh, I might be here. I might look like I'm here, but I'm not available. And you, you know what you find out is most of the time they figure it out. 
they, you know, they, what they're so used to reaching out to you because you've got the answer that they don't even ask the question to themselves. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's what I love. And so for me, when I've got issues of, you know, things I need to get done, it door shut, don't call me. I know you can see me, but you, I'm not here. So what a great idea, Darren, about trying not to become a micromanager. Close the door. Mm-hmm. Part of that discipline is to get your people to realize, you know, enter at your own risk sign on the outside of the door. And, and or cor- <laughs> quarantine sign. Yeah, yeah, quarantine. <laughs> I have the plague. And, and, and literally, like you said, Justin, how many times, Darren, have you just said, I've got to stop micromanaging and I've got to let them figure it out for themselves? Because I did. Exactly. You know, um, to what Justin was saying, when you're there and they see you, it's just easier as you're walking by. Hey, do you think we should fix this tire? I mean, if I wasn't here, what would you do? I have to say that a lot. Well, what do you think? What do you think? I've had to train myself, even with if it's a customer issue. My store managers have gotten to the point. I think they're understanding, Okay, Darren trusts me and I'm trusting them. But if it's out of the ordinary, they'll call me and I'll say, well, what do you think we should do? What do you think we should do? I have to keep putting that back on them because a lot of times I'm not in the store. So while I think I may have all the information, I don't because I'm not there. I can't sense what's going on. So really, when they're calling me, I'm really not even the best person to give them the answer because I I can't have all the facts because I'm not there. So I have to just go back to them. What do you think we should do? And then I can work them through it. But um, yeah, resisting the micromanaging is tough. I love what you just said. In fact... What would Darren do? What would Justin do? What would Dennis do? It almost needs to be part of a learning culture in the business or, or part of the meeting. You have a weekly meeting and you say, it is now the two-minute session on what would Darren do. Mm-hmm. And basically, you're teaching your people. I like it. Uh, we we teach in our groups and in the various workshops that we do that you should have four questions that you always ask your employees when they come to you to solve a problem because you pay them to solve their own problems. And over time, if they start to learn before I go to Darren, he's going to ask me this, 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 and this, they then start to go through critical thinking processes and they start, well, I'm going to ask him this and he's just going to ask me this back. And this is the answer. Then this is the, and then they solve their own problem. Mm-hmm. At least they solve the, the ones they really shouldn't be coming to you to ask. Which is usually 90 to 95%. 95% of them. Yep. They can so do you it. should come up with, with uh, for the listeners, come up with four questions that you will always ask your employees when they come to you to solve a problem or, or ask you for advice. Mm-hmm. So and I, you will train them to ask themselves those questions. Right. You know, on the, the marginal situations that happen out in the shop where they want a judgment call, I've, I've created the Justin Glasgow Holy Trinity. Is, <laughs> is it good for the company? Is it good for the customer? Isn't it good for the car? And if those three aren't met, th- that's your answer. Uh, and, and I've found that, you know, a lot of times before, <laughs> and then when they can't figure it out after the three, then I'm okay with them asking, you know, come and get me. But th- th- it's for me, it has to land on those three. Did you call it a holy trinity? Yeah, not to get too religious, but, you know, I, I come from a Catholic background. <laughs> it was the Justin Glasgow trinity. It was it was company, customer, car. If Correct. it's good for any or all of those. Yeah, it's got to meet the three. This is a huge takeaway for our listeners. I mean, it's a, it's a great first discipline because, you know, what we do here on the Academy is we share insights and great ideas. That's There's been a lot of them, but I that one's... That one's right up there. Love that one. That's a good one. What else, guys? Uh, you guys use self, allow cell phones in the bays, and does that help or not help in productivity? We don't allow cell phones for any of our employees in the buildings except for our managers. I don't know. I, I feel like the 15 to 20-minute bathroom breaks are gone because they're not in there checking their cell phones and checking their Facebooks. Um, in California, they got to have a mandatory 10-minute break every uh, after every two hours. Minutes. So. Yeah, so they're able to run out, check their text messages, check their Facebook, get back to their girlfriends and wives. Um, and it's also even our service writers on the front counter. I, I would watch the cameras. You would just see from time to time they'd finish with a customer and instead of moving on to the next task, checking on the next car, following up with the last customer that called, their natural 
habit is to pull their cell phone out and check and see what text messages came through, what's going on here. And they waste five minutes doing it and it just kills our productivity. They've got breaks to do that. So, um, except for the managers, nobody has a cell phone. Um, and our, our commercial um, servicemen that are out on the road, nobody has their cell phone with them. Darren, I, I, I do have a question. So uh, at what point did you put that in place and then the other thing too was, so do you require them to uh, put them out in their vehicles? What, how, what is the proper, how do you handle that? Um, it's probably been, uh, it's probably been two or three years I came up with that idea. And um, I probably got quite a bit of pushback from my dad and uncle saying, how are you going to enforce this? You know, there's going to be this big backlash. And I just said, look, I just know whatever backlash we have, if someone quits over it, they probably shouldn't be working here anyway, because if it's that important, they're really not looking out for the good of the company or what we feel is right. So um, they do leave them in their vehicles. They can go grab them. You know, if occasionally, if I see someone with their cell phone when they're not, it's not, I, I don't get crazy about it. I don't write it up, but it's, Hey, you're not supposed to have it. Go put it back in your vehicle. You know, that, that connects to, there's two comments in the uh, webinar chat that uh, what Darren and Justin are talking about. The first is uh, learning to say no. Um, too often we're just, we're just too pressed to say yes to people because we want to be nice. We want to be, make them happy. But if you say yes to something that you're never really going to be able to do, you're just prolonging the unhappiness. Uh, and, and learning to say no is difficult. It, it's difficult for me and the people that I counsel and, and, and uh, talk to, it, it's really difficult for them to say no, uh, and we have to learn to get better at that. There is a right way to say no to somebody. I, I'm just not capable of adding that to my to my list. And uh, Robert Henderson here also brought up: uh, Does it match our core values? Um, and and that kind of ties in with the idea of a, a mission and vision statement. Is and, and that ties into what Justin has the, the three questions. You have to define what your company stands for and and what it is. And then if you, if you develop that statement or that concept uh, tightly, then you'll be able to apply that basis or those values to every decision that you make. And if it doesn't match up, you don't do it. And it's not that you don't do it because it isn't a good idea or it isn't nice or it isn't helpful. It's just you have, you have priorities in front of you that simply make more sense for the business. You know, um, the sandwich shop down the street doesn't change oil, even though that would be a nice thing to do for some customers. They're a sandwich shop. And sometimes, you know, I, when I go out and I do consulting for companies, I'll go out and go out into the shop and I see six guys standing around a car and they're all sort of talking about whatever's wrong with it. And I go, well, you know, what's going on with this car? And they're talking about whatever problem it is. And they're all just discussing it. And they're on like the fourth hour of talking about it. And they've collected an hour's worth of diagnostic time. There's four people standing around this car. And I'll just walk over and I'll shut the hood. And they'll look at me like, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm helping you back this car out. It's not helping the company. Um, so we need to learn to, to stay in our lane and, and define what it is we provide the customer besides the basic car service. You know, What do you do for the, for the community at large as a whole? And then backfill that in and, and stick to those ideas. I loved the, uh, the, the comment from Robert Henderson. Dennis, thanks for bringing it up. And it goes to, the, to the, uh, the trinity of Justin. Is it good for the car? Is it good for the customer? Is it good for the company? And does it meet our core values? And, and you know, that is really so cool because many decisions that can be made in any area of the business, from CEO to um, uh, wash bay guy, if the core values are all known and understood, you've developed one heck of a great culture inside the business, and it's easy to make those decisions. So thanks for all that great, great stuff coming up. I want to get into, you know, almost more, so a little bit more heavy lifting stuff. And I, I was uh, about productivity and production. Guys, are you working your butts off to be sure that your systems and your processes continue to evolve and are, and are refined because that's got to give at least the production side of your business, you know, and trying to get time management and effective, being effective, uh, is, is, is systems and processes really a, a high level priority for you? 
I can speak for myself. Uh, I've come on the 20s group not too long ago with Dennis, and it was I had my first meeting. Uh, I hosted my first meeting uh, back in April, May, and it made me realize. Granted, I had visited other shops that had processes in place, but when I had my own peers in front of me saying, I think you can help this and you think you can help that, and Dennis preached the process, quote unquote, uh, it made me realize how many extra steps we were taking throughout the day to get a job done. And so I love the fact that um, I was able to juxtapose myself from the business and look at how things were going down and how, let's just say, not lean they were and how many steps were taking place. And, you know, questions that could answer themselves, like we were just talking about, uh, it's made me realize that the, the leaner you can make your business, the, the better processes are in place, the, ma- the easier it makes your life. Mm. <clears throat> um, I would add, since joining the 20 group and getting a lot of, I call it, um, uh, what's the word? Well, knowledge, we'll call it. Inspiration. Um, inspiration, knowledge um, uh, from Dennis. You know, one thing I learned from him is when you're coming out with a new process or procedure, um, he, ha- he had a great diagram he put up. You know, you come up with 100% great idea and it's just your idea. I created it back here in my office in a vacuum. And then I go out and I get zero people to buy in it. Well, what's 100 times zero? zero. But if you involve the people who are actually going to be daily managing and watching this process, okay, it's only 70% a good idea. But then if 50% of the people actually buy into it, you actually have a number that's not zero. Um, and and that's, that's what I've been doing. I just find that that allows me to not stay so busy by having to call them every half hour. Hey, did you guys offer any warranties today? How many warranties do we get? How are we doing? And then having to get all this feedback and change it and then having to spend a bunch of time constantly change a process or procedure that I put in place back here outside of reality of what the shop, the shop is going through and having to change it and having to change it. And I make myself so busy repairing this great idea that I had. Um, so I've now gotten in the habit when there's a, a type of policy or procedure change, I get minimum my store managers all together with me here in the office. I may have it 95% sketched out of what I think I want already but I have all the ideas and the bullet points on a projector screen and we sit there and say, okay, Hey, this is what we're thinking of doing. How can we all make this work? So there's six of us sitting in here. And then I do find even uh, we're we're doing some lifetime warranties. We're we're selling on our automotive repairs. Um, A lot of things that I didn't think of that I would have unleashed this on the service writers and there would have been, Oh, this doesn't work. And then everybody just kind of throws their hands up. "Ah, That's not working. And then I got to work to change it we were able to mold this into something much better than what my original plan was because I involved them. So the monitoring of the process, I have to do it, but it's not a major strain on my day because my store managers created this. They believe in it. They're excited about it. They're pumped. They're cheerleading and all the rah-rah and everything. And it's had a very successful start. So thank you, Dennis. I appreciate the idea. You know, just to echo one thing, and, and, and this is a credit to Dennis, uh, a part of the dimensions class that he puts on, he talks about using your customer's words as you're, as you're approaching them about a sale. And I was having feedback from my employees, like them saying, hey, we're not getting great communication back here. Hey, you know, this is happening. This is happening. When I put that process in place, I said, you know, guys, these were the things that you were talking about. And we have come up with this process to help you out with this. And boy, that leveled that thing, that leveled the buy-in to be much greater than what I thought it was going to be when I echoed exactly what they were saying. Good stuff, guys. Thank you very much. I I love the whole buy-in piece. And I think that's one great trait of a great leader is to uh, involve your people. And and, and even then, Darren, the way you said, you kind of tossed them up to get get the dialogue started. Wonderful Mm -hmm. stuff. We've done a couple of shows on lean, and uh, I just want to share with everyone, go to the website, type in lean in the search bar, and and, and, and listen, uh, at least the one, the most recent one within the last, like, nine months. 
huge productivity factors coming out of that. Uh, Scott Brown wants to know, are any of you leveraging digital communications within the shop, like inspections, pictures, test results? Absolutely. We, we've, um, I want to say February, we had the digital inspections rolled out into all our shops. And uh, what an efficiency booster. I mean, I, I put together a whole presentation um, that really outlines every aspect that we've seen that's been a benefit of it and just how uh, to really take advantage of that process. Um, I mean, we send an inspection out to a customer. It's got pictures of everything that was wrong. They can clearly see it. There's yellow boxes around it. And I can see when we send it and it's, it's more often than not, probably 90% of them a minute later, they're opening that inspection and looking at where before we were calling, they're not recognizing the number. They're at work. They can't answer whatever the reason is. Um, and you're going hours waiting on an approval. Now they're looking at it within a minute. They can text us back and say, looks like I need breaks. How much? And can you do this fluid exchange? And can you do this? And they can forward it to friends and get feedback and there's picture evidence. So, I mean, doing the digital inspection, I think in our industry, if you're not doing it, you have to do it. It is the future. I don't think you can survive without doing it. I have a question. Dennis, you're sitting at that meeting. Let's go back about 10 minutes. You were talking about, well, I, I go to a week-long meeting, and then I see 3,000 emails in my inbox. Maybe you said it was daily. Uh, but you had a, your, your car was out <laughs> at a shop having some work done, and they really had this digital inspection they wanted you to look at. You would have never seen it if email was the delivery point. Am I right? Correct. That has to be text because... It, I don't want to get too uh, otherworldly as far as the, the communication psychology goes, but a text message is more direct. It, it, it's sort of, it's closer to a phone conversation than an email is. An email is a formal conversation, so it's okay to have gaps in time between responding. It's almost like correspondence, yeah. you know, writing a letter. Yeah. But a text message in a, in a in a meeting, not that I condone this, but you know, everybody does the under the table, you know, look to see what that is. And it's much more socially acceptable to respond real quick to a, an email message, or at least tell the person in a meeting, call you in 10 minutes. Um, so that's much more effective. I will say though, uh, to the question from Scott Brown, if your paper inspections are terrible, your digital inspections will be terrible. Um, the, the vehicle in which you inspect cars and, and get that message to the customer, changing to a digital inspection won't improve your process. What it does is it speeds up the time gap between uh, the technician writing it up, the salesperson estimating the ticket, and the salesperson having the conversation with the customer. It doesn't improve the quality of the inspection because that rests solely with the technician. One of the things that we've heard uh, lately, just as a tip to your audience, Carm, that I, I've just heard recently is when you take pictures of things like air filters, uh, if, if your process for brake inspections is to remove the brake pad and uh, check the caliper, put the customer's product next to a brand new product like their air filter against a brand new air filter, their wiper blade against a brand new wiper blade if it's ripped, um, things like that, a worn brake pad against the full brake pad. So Tires. when you send that picture to them, they know it's even stark the difference between their uh, part of their car versus what a brand new one looks like. I love what you said, Darren. Let me challenge you. Justin, do you, are you doing inspections, digital? We are, not, not digital. And uh, we... Yeah, we're, we're getting there, uh, but we're semi, we're close to what you're talking about. Um, so in, in situations like uh, what we all see, you know, loose ball joints, tie rod ends, that sort of thing. I do take a picture of it and I'll text it to the customer. Uh, we'll email uh, uh, an estimate and then I'll usually wait about five or six minutes and then I'll call that customer. Um uh, there is some great, there is some great software out there that integrates uh, with our point of sale system. We just haven't made the leap to it. I'm sure, Darren has. Um, but when a customer can see it, um, it takes away that easiness to just say no, no, thank you. I'll think about it. And um, 
uh, it's powerful. It's, it's really powerful when you can see the tire that's alignment worn and down to cords or they can see that loose ball joint move. It's great. I, I, I want to dig a little deeper into what Dennis just said about if you do a terrible um, in paper inspection, you'll do a terrible digital inspection. And Darren, I want to challenge you. When you went to digital, did you improve the process or improve the depth of inspection because you actually had, you could design in a deeper, better uh, way in a system? Yeah. Uh, one thing I would, you know, to what Dennis said is, um, you know, you may have inspections in place and if you switch to digital, you're able to see your technician's inspections in real time. You can look at the end of the day, you can pull them all up and see them. It's a great um, uh, look into just how terrible your inspections actually are, where you may think they're good. <laughs> and then you start doing this, you go, huh, I really thought we did all this. And, and no, the answer is no, they're not 100%. Um, but by having this, it is so much easier to manage instead of having to, you know, if I wanted to do an audit on a store, I'd have to physically drive down to the store, have the paperwork transferred to me and flip through page after page and try to figure out who did it. Now I can sit here and quickly at the end of the day, 20, 25 minutes, I can go through the day's inspections and see each technician He's finding this many items every day. He's always finding a lot. This technician's not. That tells me this technician needs some work. So it's nice to be able to text your customers. There's a lot of efficiency um, increases it gives you, but also being able to manage and see what your store is doing and make improvements. It also gives you that. It's huge. I mean, I, I firmly believe in it. Great. Glad to hear that. I want to give another high five to Scott Brown. Thanks for being on with us today, by the way. He says, what if your customers worked at a place that didn't allow them to have their phones with them, like Darren's place? And and I'm not picking, picking on you, Darren, at all, but there are some factories or high-tech places that just won't let the sure. phones in. They mm-hmm. tell you, listen, I'm going to send you an inspection report through what, text or email? And they say, neither. What do you do? Well, then you would just be in the same situation you'd be in now if you didn't have digital inspections. And we do find that. Um, and that's one of the uh, pushbacks that you tend to get in the beginning when everybody doesn't want to change. They want to say, well, what about all this and this? But the answer is we see about 80% of the people. And I'm just grabbing that number, but it's a large amount of our people are checking their text message within one minute. I see the reports. And we have some that don't, but that's no different than where you're at now. If you don't have it, you would have to call their place of business, ask for them and go through the usual routine that you're all going through now if you don't have digital inspections. Yeah, and and Carm, it, we we have a we have a process of, of from the birth of a ticket to the to the transfer over to the to the customer. And we talk about the the times in the process where it's intentionally slowed down um, in order to avoid planting a landmine. Uh, if we speed through two or three steps because it seems faster now, it'll actually make us take longer in other spots. And that's what we call a landmine. So one of the key ones uh, is in the beginning, it's part, it's part of the interview of the customers. You greet the customer, they come in, you interview them. What are your current needs? What are your future needs? What are your plans with the vehicle? And when you talk about that, inevitably it comes up with, okay, at some point in the future, if we're going to do an inspection or, or we're going to check your car out and not just perform a service, we need to communicate later. So particularly with, with Darren on digital, it, you say, I'm, I'm going to text you this. Will you be able to respond? And if the person says no, now is the time to spend figuring out how are we going to communicate? When are we going to communicate? Like, oh, I have a lunch break at 1130. I'll call you then. That puts the pressure on the shop to have everything ready and estimated by 1130 so we can sell this job. It almost always comes back to processes. You know what he just said? Less is more. And let's think about that for, you know, back into the uh, trying to be more efficient at what we do, right? More productive. Less is more. Uh, Go back to what you, you opened us up with, Darren. Here's my here's my task list for today. And it, if it gets any more than six or seven items on there, you're probably you're fooling yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you were able to completely get all the chaos out of your life, close the door, put the quarantine sign out there, you could probably add a dozen to them. But what is any one of your secrets? Do you schedule time for yourself? Do you literally go to your calendar and Google Outlook, whatever you use, and book 
time for quiet time, for project time? No, I actually don't. Now that you mention it, I, I have, I try to, I, I can look at my week and see, you know, the meetings from the reps and the vendors and the salespeople and that kind of stuff. And I have to limit that to one a day. I can't take a day and, you know, smash one rep and one vendor one after the other. Um, I have to have blank time in that calendar. And then I just kind of go back to my, my list and see, okay, what am I supposed to get done today? Because I know I have to leave enough time that's open when I do get sucked into the busy side of business. And I mean, honestly, it happens. It happens every day. And sometimes at the end of the day, I stop and I go, okay, what did I get done today? Look, nothing on here. Okay. I canceled that. I canceled that. And I got nothing done today. And that's the trap. Darren, what if Tuesdays were vendor days? Every, every, every two Tuesdays were vendor days. Just you, you, you get it done and out of the way. Yeah. I mean, I tend to try to do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'll schedule them there. No, no Mondays, no Fridays. Um, Cause I know Monday I'm coming back from the weekend. I got a couple stores that are open Saturdays. Monday's got to be a free day and Friday's got to be a free day because I have to have it buttoned up before I go to the weekend. Otherwise, I'm just carrying into the weekend. If I was your business coach and I said you can only have two days a month, two days a month for vendors, could you survive? Yeah, I could. Okay. I just threw a whole bunch of hours back in your day. All right. I'll try it. Second and third Tuesday every month. That's what I'll do. If, if, if A lot of people that listen to the show, uh, every once in a while, I expose some of my own personal challenges uh, mm-hmm. on occasion. And one of them was the chaos that I was living with, with doing, uh, recording the podcast. And uh, I, uh, I finally decided that Tuesdays was interview day. Every Tuesday, of every week was my interview day. And it just brought all kinds of relief to my schedule and tightened it up. And so that's that's why I'm challenging you because it was a rebirth for me to be able to focus. Yeah, I do like that idea. Hey, can I come in next week? Just tell them no. It's no different than office hours in college, you know, for your professor. She only wants to deal with the rats every now and then, right? Because <laughs> she dedicates. <laughs> <laughs> she or he only wants to deal with the, with, with the kids uh, a couple times a week. So, they, you know. But there again, it may not be too far away from that. It, it I get the joke, but it, it it it's not necessarily they only want to deal with it. Like Harm said, it it's just providing structure in their life. But when I have a meeting, uh, we travel on Sundays typically. We I get back really late on Wednesday. Uh, Thursday for me is strictly recapping and getting caught up on everything. I, I schedule nothing. I'll take random phone calls and people that need help and and deal with that. But I'm certainly not going to schedule anything on a Thursday because I know that my workload is just, it needs to be focused on getting caught back up from being away from the office for, for so many. So I'm not going to call any of my clients rats for sure. Justin. (laughs) Yeah, no, he was, no rats was the uh, definition of the student who needed to brown nose the professor. Am I right? Justin? That's right. I was there. (laughs) I never did any of that. Looking for extra credit. (laughs) That was a lot many, many years ago for me. Hey, um, this was interesting. It was great. We went to a lot of really neat different places, a lot of great ideas shared and exchanged. Thank you all for that. Let's go around the room for for a final. And one of the thoughts that I, I, I wrote down this thing called finish your tasks. Finish. You got to finish. So with that as kind of a theme, we can go around the room and tell us what that means to you. I'll start with you, Justin. Yeah, I think uh, finish for me is exactly what Darren talked about. There is a lot of gratification of putting that line through that note. And, um, you know, there's many times uh, that I walked home or, you know, walking out the door and said, man, I didn't get it done. I didn't get it done today. And so uh, I think finish for me is knowing that, A, the, the shop did well or we had a good day at the shop. That's that great finish feeling walking out the door. And then I got what I wanted done that day. Wow. There you go. Business, personal. Cool. Darren. Uh, Same thing. What Justin said. I mean, when I can put that cross through that line of, even when it's the simple stuff, um, you know, that's, that's when it's done. Not having to carry it over to the next day. 
and the next day and the next day and the bigger items do, but you know, sometimes as they get carried over, it, it almost refocuses me again. I'm like, okay, I've carried this over three days today. I have to get it done. I do not want to see this on my list for tomorrow. Wait a minute. Is it that important? Did you ever stop and think it, now this is the third day it's been on my list. Is it really that important? Yeah. I mean, if it's like a quick call, like cancel this, cancel the yellow book. Oh, right. Yellow pages. Yeah, I got to do it. I just need to make myself do it. And that's already happened. That's off the list. I I did it. I did it. Um, But yeah, that does happen. Sometimes it'll carry over. I'm like, this doesn't matter. So I'll cross it off and say, we're good. Let's keep rolling. Great. Thank you. Dennis, uh, thank you for uh, telling me or someone told me one day that, you know, busy is a four letter word for Dennis McCarron. And, and I said, well, great. So I reached out to Dennis and I said, why don't we why don't we do a show on this? And he brought Darren and Justin into it. So thank you very much for uh, helping coordinate this. These guys love no you, problem. by the way. I heard a lot of high fives uh, <laughs> to you and you, to your program. So uh, I, I owe them a lot of money, ah, I guess. Good, good, good. <laughs> so, so thank you for being here. I'll give you the last word. Frank Sinatra said, uh, if you start every day eating a frog, your day's only going to get better. And uh, Stephen Covey called it big rocks. Uh, and a lot of other uh, people talk about organizing your day. And it, a lot of times we get busy because we're avoiding the things we don't want to do that we know we have to do. And if we take care of those things early in the morning, Carm, you talked about scheduling time for yourself. You know, if you run a store and your store opens up at seven o'clock, you ought to be in the store at six o'clock in the morning and take care of those big rocks, go eat your frog or whatever analogy you want to use. And when, when you get those big things out of the way, the day seems to fly by. But if we avoid those things because we don't want to do it, that's when we get busy. We have conflict. I have these things I don't want to do. We have these firefighting things I have to do. And then there's things I want to do. And it becomes too much with not enough time left. So get started early in the day. Tackle the stuff that's unsavory. And and that's the best way to stay productive and not be busy. Thank you, man. Um, Dennis has been on the show a couple of times. Just run his name and listen to his, uh, I believe, two episodes. Uh, Very, very smart, intuitive man. Thanks for being here. Hey, have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for being here on the Academy. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Carm. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... 